This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. everyone and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Megan Strand, your host for today, and I'm honored to be joined by Barbara Larson, Executive Vice President of Finance and Administrative Services at Johnson County Community College. Welcome, Barbara. Well, thank you, Megan. I'm delighted to speak with you. Barbara, you have a unique education background for a CBO. You have a bachelor's degree in economics, a master's in public policy and administration, and an education doctorate. So I wonder if you could start out today by talking us through that progression personally and how that background landed you in higher ed as a career. I do have an unusual background when I think about the colleagues around the country that I've met I am not an accountant. I'm not a CPA. Mm -hmm. I have great respect and uh, admiration for those who took that path. My undergraduate major was actually environmental economics. I was certainly um, a child of, of the first Earth Day and have been committed to environmental issues, I hope, at least personally, my entire life. And so I majored in environmental economics and And frankly, my first job out of college was working for a company that made photovoltaic solar cells. Oh, wow. Yes. um, In the D.C. area, we had a contract with the Department of Energy, and I thought that I wanted to pursue a public policy, public administration degree. And so I went off after a few years to the University of Wisconsin and got a degree in public policy and administration. But it was around that time that especially being at a place like Madison, Wisconsin, which if you've never visited, um, you would love as everyone does. I thought, gosh, it's so great to be on a university campus. I think I'd like to possibly pursue um, a career in working in in an educational setting. So in addition to the general public policy courses I took, I ended up taking a few courses in higher ed administration. And I also took a budgeting course, which I really liked. It related to my economics background. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, I mean, some people talk about economics as being the the classic definition of something like the study of how we attempt to allocate scarce resources to meet unlimited wants. Hmm, That sounds familiar. (laughs) Yes. And certainly a college budgeting process um, is very much about allocating scarce resources to attempt to meet unlimited wants. And so I remember taking a budgeting class that really spoke to me in terms of Oh, um, being at the heart of an organization and I suppose um, following the money, as they say. So from there, I, I was fortunate enough to start to look through the chronicle of higher education. And although I spent some time in county government as a budget analyst, um, I think at, at 30, I applied for my first position in higher education at a community college in Michigan. And uh, I became the budget director there and really, really um, liked it and found it very challenging. And I've 
moved around a bit in my career, but essentially stayed in the community college movement and uh, have been very, very fortunate. Not that long ago, I had a president that urged me to consider getting a higher education doctorate. And so I accomplished that and finished that um, just four years ago. What do you think that slightly different approach or educational background gives you as a CBO in terms of skill set or maybe perspective? I have to admit that I'm less technical than some of my counterparts. And so I've had the good fortune of working with people in organizations. And frankly, I've had positions in institutions that are large enough so that there are the required CPAs and controller positions um, that I've worked with. Again, I've been able to, I think, learn from them. I think of myself as a bit of a generalist, as a bit of a dilettante, perhaps. And so I've, I've learned to ask questions when I don't know. I hope that I'm a good listener. I, I'd say that's it. I mean, I, I think that I just work hard to understand other people's perspectives and um, attempt to contribute where I can. Let's talk a little bit about the community college setting. What do you think the unique challenges are that you experience being at a community college that maybe your counterparts at a four-year institution don't? I have to say I feel really fortunate to be at a community college. And at this point in my career, it's difficult to imagine being elsewhere. Certainly, I've worked at what would be considered comprehensive community colleges so that we offer transfer courses for those students wishing to move on to four-year and research institutions, but we also offer a variety of career and technical programs, whether it's those students that become uh, respiratory therapists or dental hygienists or become automotive technicians. Um, I find that the diversity at a community college is really, really interesting. Um, We also, at my particular institution now at Johnson County, we have a very robust continuing education program. And so that commitment to the community and workforce needs is such a core part of who we are and that need to be very involved and connected to the community. I can't tell you how much people in leadership positions here at the institution and particularly our president spend with um, with rotary clubs, with economic development councils in terms of really understanding what's what's happening in the community and how we can best serve the community. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just such an important part of of being a good and responsive and agile community college. I'd say the other part, and this is more of a, on the personal level, we have a GED program, for instance, at our college. And one of my favorite things, and I suppose many people in higher education would say this, one of our favorite events in any given year is uh, our commencement exercises. And I don't think there's anything that's more moving than attending our GED graduation at the Mm -hmm. end of the year. The speaker this past May was a gentleman who was about my age, who had frankly ended up being fortunate to have a fairly successful career selling cars, working at a car dealership. And he told a story about how he had always lied about 
his high school graduation date. He knew that people could figure out how old he was. And so he would say, well, I graduated from high school in 1976, when in fact he had never graduated from high school. And he raised a family and he was now a grandfather. And when he stood there and said, and now I will proudly tell people that I graduated from high school in 2016, <laughs> um, there, I, there wasn't a dry eye in the in the uh, in the gymnasium, and I find that part of of a community college mission just very important. What do you think your CBO colleges at four year institutions can learn from the community college model? So much is changing in higher ed today. What are you guys doing right or differently that maybe others should be looking at? Community colleges pride themselves on being um, agile and responsive. I think in hearing my my colleagues at four-year institutions that perhaps the the difficulty in moving an organization in change um, is greater for them than it is for us but but I think change is hard for any organization so as much as I say oh we're agile we're nimble we are highly responsive um, I think, again, I think change is, is a challenge anywhere you go. I'd say that because we have certain structures in place that are specifically charged with being highly responsive, and I just, I talked about continuing education, mm -hmm. um, that we are better suited to, again, to respond quickly because in a continuing education environment, we're not offering credit or a two-year program, we're saying we can create a certificate to respond to this need and we can put it in place in the next several months. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's an advantage that we have, again, because because the structures are already there. So I'd say that's that's one piece. What aspect of your work that you're doing now are you most excited about? I really like the facilities planning aspect of what we do. And most CBOs have responsibility for facilities. Often it's the operations, making sure that facilities are clean and well-maintained and up-to-date. Um, we are now finishing up a facilities master plan at our institution. And it's really about rethinking these buildings that were created 50 years ago. And we're, we're coming up on our 50th uh, anniversary. Wow saying, all right, if we were going to design a campus now that best met our student needs and best helped them to be successful, how would, how would we do that? And and master plans are often about opportunities. You can't start over. You can't take down all your buildings and rebuild them to meet the pedagogies of tomorrow. But where are there opportunities to reshape and repurpose space so that they best meet student needs. And uh, one of the examples now, and this is this is a fairly common model at many institutions, but it's not the way my institution was built, was that uh, resource centers, right now we have distinct resource centers for math or for science or for writing. And talking more about combining those into one space that are that's easier for students to navigate and to get the help that they need. And again, many community colleges have have gone through this kind of uh, planning exercise. But I find that it's really exciting to engage stakeholders at the college and say, let's envision something different. I, we realize we're, we've been doing something one way for sometimes decades, but how can we think differently about how to shape our space 
to best meet um, our students' needs. It must be exciting to look forward into the future and be able to shape that in your role. It is. It, it really is. And I think that, I mean, at the same time, we're all being cautious about how much space, how much physical space we need, because we also know that students' relationship with institutions have changed. Almost 20% of our credit hours are now delivered online. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's that's a huge growth area for us. Mm-hmm. So we're also being very thoughtful and cautious about adding new space. I think that, you know, I've been working long enough so that um, perhaps 25 years ago, you simply built a building. And new buildings are very exciting and ribbon cuttings are exciting. But I think that um, given what we've all learned about the cost of maintaining buildings, um, our commitment to being sustainable, we're also, again, being very thoughtful about how do we use the space that we have versus um, constructing new square footage. You're talking a little bit about being cautious and thoughtful. Are there things that really sort of keep you up at night? Things that you wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> got to figure this out. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. But I, I think that they would be, I mean, some of it's just the the volume of issues yeah. that I think we're all facing. Absolutely. Um, so I, again, you, you have great people in place and you work hard to have the right discussions with the right set of people on campus. I mean, I will say that right now, and this is not just in our state, but we are preparing here in Kansas for concealed carry weapons to be on oh, our campus Wow! In, in July of 2017. Wow. So that's the that's the will of the legislature um, and how we respond to that and prepare for that with training and education and discussion on campus has become a big part of many of our day-to-day jobs right now because that's less than 10 months away. So certainly those kinds of things are topics that, frankly, I had hoped not to be having, um, but it's it's a reality of the of the environment that many of us are in now in our respective um, respective states. How much of that conversation are you having with other community colleges in other states? A lot. There are differences. Some are more nuanced than others, but Texas has, I guess you'd say, is ahead of us. And so we've formed some great relationships with others in Texas. Colorado has had this for a number of years. Um, Again, there are differences in the way it is being rolled out in Kansas. And so we have to be aware of that. But I'm sure you've heard this from others you've talked to. I find that the the community of chief business officers is incredibly generous. Mm. And so I've met so many people, whether it's at Nakubo or Kakubo, um, that have been so willing to help and respond to phone calls and emails and offered complete, here's my policy, here, see if this will work for you. And of course, Nakubo is incredibly helpful with sharing resources of that kind with policy documents on the website. Um, so I feel very fortunate. And I and I hear from colleagues in other 
parts of the institution where that's not always the case across um, across their disciplines. So again, I'm very thankful for what I'm able to learn from from colleagues across the country. What are you doing today that you never imagined you would have been doing 10 years ago? I'd say in part because I finished my doctorate that I was recently asked to teach a higher ed finance class. And oh, wow. so that's something that I never considered myself doing. I start in a few months and I will say that I have absolutely gained <laughs> even more respect for our faculty <laughs> to put together a lesson plan and a, a syllabus that's going to work and hopefully be meaningful to this group of students. But that's very exciting and um, really challenging. And I think that I've probably lost my mind in saying yes. <laughs> but I think that it will be incredibly um, rewarding and and exciting at the same time. So that's probably something I never considered doing um, a few years ago. Well, and that's a great way to stay in touch with what professors are dealing with on a daily basis and what students are, are dealing with. I mean, you really, you're really getting right in there, Barbara. So good for you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what would you say is the biggest challenge facing all CBOs today? You're obviously talking a lot with your colleagues um, internally and throughout the Nakubo network in other states. What are you hearing that you're facing and everyone is facing? I think we're all so aware that the landscape for higher education is changing. And I look to the CBO survey that Nakubo has sponsored now for several years. And I think that that speaks to me as it does to many of my colleagues. There's so much focus on compliance issues, on accountability. And I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are those are necessary. But again, I've been working in higher education a long time, and it is a different time. There's much more competition. I mean, we have conversations in both uh, in this state and probably in others that I think there's roughly 1,200 community colleges in the country, and will we all be uh, existing in 15 to 20 years? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's possible that um, that there will be changes, that there will be consolidations, because, again, the landscape has changed. And so then you get to, I think, the number one frustration that I often see on that CBO survey is something like a culture that resists change. So having those conversations on campus with those that um, may not choose to think about those issues on a daily basis um, can be difficult. You were talking earlier about being agile, and you're talking a little bit about the changing landscape in higher ed. Part of the solution to that is, is innovation. So as you're looking around for models that work who are you looking at for examples and best practices? Johnson County Community College is a is a member of what's called uh, the League for Innovation in Community Colleges. So certainly those what we we use the term league schools are among the best. And so I'd say that's often where we start in terms of meetings with those presidents or executives at those institutions about you know, some of what they do. But again, I find that innovation can happen everywhere. We are always um, finding examples, again, whether it's Nakubo or Kakubo of 
institutions that have used data in unique ways. And certainly I think we are all so much more data driven um, in terms of looking at big data. How, what do we know about our students and why they're successful um, and how can we help them be more so? I mean, one of the the big discussions at community colleges now is often called the student pathways or, and that's the notion that perhaps we've been so we've offered so many options, that kind of cafeteria style approach to education for our students and said, you can pick anything. And we often are seeing students that may be the first in their families to attend college. And so that notion that perhaps we need to guide them when we talk about guided pathways and say, here are two or three options that you might want to want to consider as opposed to 80 um, and helping them navigate our systems and processes in a way to be successful. Because we know that we don't have the completion rates of a four-year institution, but we have different students. Um, we generally don't have on-campus housing. Well, it's harder to help a student be successful when um, they – might be 28 years old and a single mom and have a part-time job. So again, I think that I think that community colleges in general are working toward being innovative and agile in helping our students um, find their paths to success. Absolutely. That's so smart too, because sometimes choice can be paralyzing. Yes. That's a good word. Yes. Oh, Barbara, anything else you'd like to share today that I've neglected to ask? I want to acknowledge various presidents and without naming names who have helped me in my career path. I've had the good fortune of working for a number of presidents because I've had a path that has taken me to several institutions and I've learned so much from them and they have helped me and encouraged me. One story, I worked for a woman president who had begun her career early on as a journal as a journalist. Wow. And then she yeah. And then she had become the um, executive director of marketing for our institution and then a vice president and then eventually had become the president. What I learned from her was how to ask questions. And she would exhaust us all with her questions. And I think that sometimes we would tend to uh, be a bit defensive when we walked into her, her office with a proposal. Um, and I remember her one time saying to me, Barbara, I'm writing a newspaper article, not an editorial, meaning I'm not being critical or forming an opinion. I'm trying to get the facts. And I, I hope I learned from her how to ask questions because um, she would dig and dig. And I think that probably there are people that now work for me that I exhaust with my questions. <laughs> um, but it really was a skill. I mean, not unlike the way you've asked me questions this morning. So um, I think about her a lot and how, um, how we all learn. And I learn by asking questions. So I'm, I'm thankful to her and I'm thankful to many other people that have helped me 
in my career. Sounds like that's a fantastic training ground. Thank you for sharing that story. And thank you, Barbara, for just being here today and sharing a little bit more of your personal journey with our listeners. Well, thank you, Megan. I really enjoyed it. You can find out more about Barbara and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Barbara and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.